0: You are listening to the next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of Tulip Fever. In
1: 1634, Amsterdam was captivated by a flower. Rich and poor gambled on the tulip market. Sophia was a beautiful orphan, chosen by one of the richest men in the city. Love, honor, and obey. I've decided to engage the services of a painter. Don't move. Put your brush to capturing my wife. She's a rare beauty. They'll say, look at that lucky old dog. Didn't he have a lovely young wife? First to flower, first to fall. The tulip business, I think it's the answer to my problems. If i were rich i could take you away he would find us he would not stop looking for me unless i was dead my lord i pray that my wife shall be not of corruptible seed
0: you've been busy you've not been painting no offense
1: i made a plan to save us both we will be together there's nothing without risk i love you Tell your husband what you've been up to.
0: What have I done? I bought Sophia. I must find her. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Tulip Fever, and the story is as follows. Set against the backdrop of the 17th century Tulip Wars, a married noblewoman has an affair with an artist and switches identities with her maid to escape the wealthy merchant she married. She and her lover tried to raise money together by investing what little they have in the high-stakes tulip market. The film is starring Alicia Vikander, Dane DeHaan, Zach Galifianakis, Judy Dench, Christoph Waltz, and Cara Delevingne. It is directed by Justin Chadwick and written by Tom Stopper. Joining me for this review, I have Mike Vermette.
1: Hello, Matt Neglia. This review, this movie almost killed me. Really? a bad case of tulip fever. There is no cure. Uh, <laughs> that's the corniest,
0: cheesiest way to open this review. Uh, you got a bad case of the fever, don't you? Instead <laughs> <laughs> sort of jungle fever, it's tulip oh fever. Oh my god. Okay, so I guess we should have you start
1: first. And, um, You were not a fan of this movie. I was not a fan of this movie. Let me just tell you something. So... I saw this movie in a theater by myself, the only person there. Um, when I walked into the theater, my local you know, AMC theater, with really comfy seats, there were two employees sleeping inside the theater. I had to wake them up, because my movie was about to start. They were confused as to why I was seeing it, and they had, had a bet going with other employees as to whether or not anyone would actually see it this weekend, because... The first two showings of the day, zero people had attended. Damn. So let that tell you something. And they didn't even know what it was about. They asked me. They were like, what is What is this even about? And I was like, ah,
0: tulips. You should have said it's uh, it's Contagion too, but uh, it, it, the tulips are responsible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that was how my movie started. It ended with me walking out and them coming in to clean it. And they asked me how the fucking tulip movie was. And I said, pretty much... How you can imagine?
0: Yeah. So so yeah, not good. (laughs) Yeah. Um. This was a movie. Fairly. (laughs) I mean, like, like, let's little little backstory here. This film was shot in 2014. It is now being released in 2017, and it is so clear. It is clear as crystal day when you're watching it, that this film was heavily altered in the editing room to give us what we have here. There is voiceover narration. There are montages that don't make sense. There are cuts between scenes. The scene transitions in this movie are the worst. These are like absolutely terrible ways to just transition from one scene to the next. Uh, there's an animated opening sequence that makes absolutely no sense and is totally and out is of dis- place disgusting looking yeah there's that um
1: wait the movie itself or the no,
0: animated sequence the
1: animated opening looked like it was made by like a 4 year old
0: oh because i do have some positive things to talk about in regards to this film and one of them is i thought it had decent cinematography at least uh even though every single set looked like it was limited like they looked like they were all shot on stages and that I, I didn't believe that I was ever in any of the exteriors. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, they always shoot, like, this one little uh, avenue area that's, like, uh, it's like an alleyway outside of a door. Um, then there's interiors. And then there like, there's one scene on a beach. That's, like, the only scene I can remember where they were outside and it was, like, okay, it looks like they're outside instead of on a stage.
1: Even that just looked like a stage with, like, sand on it. <laughs> like... It doesn't – like, you can tell like this wasn't shot on location. I mean, like, some movies hide it better than others, but this reminds me. Like, one of the worst movies I've seen in recent memory with something like this is the original Thor movie, where they're like, New Mexico looked like it was shot on an old west backlot.
0: Yeah. I mean, if I was making a comparison, I would actually compare it to uh, Beauty and the Beast from earlier this year. Oh, where stop it. That would all – dude. That was all shot on stages.
1: Yeah, I know, but it looked better than this. Uh, yes,
0: it did. But uh, I'm just saying, like, that's that's the comparison I will use for this particular uh, aspect. Uh, that's fair. Now, edited poorly, cinematography decent, music fine but forgettable. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know what's also fine but forgettable in this movie? The
1: performances.
0: Yeah. Like, nobody's bad. And if they are bad, it's because the screenplay is really bad.
1: They all try really hard, and I will say that. Um, They're given, like, really cringeworthy dialogue. Oh, like, um, I
0: think my little soldier is ready tonight? Uh,
1: Yeah, like that.
0: Um, or Or when Dane DeHaan has, like, that realization and he verbalizes it out loud where he's like, God help me. I'm in love. And then he, like, bursts out of the room, like, to go run to Alicia Vikander.
1: No, no, no. I wrote down the worst line in this movie. All right, hit me. What do you got? Because I was able to take my phone out because I was by myself. It is, I've got a nice, thick eel. (laughs) That guy actually had to say that. I was embarrassed for him. And that was Jack O'Connell who
0: says that, right?
1: It was, yeah.
0: Yeah. Ah, man. You know, I, I feel really bad because... There are some merits here in regards to the actors. I mean, Jack O'Connell is still a very versatile actor. He, Like I said, he's just given really poor lines of dialogue here and not really much to go off on. Although, I have to admit, his uh, chemistry with... Um, who plays her again? Uh, his, his girl?
1: The, the, the maid? Uh, it is Holiday Granger.
0: Yeah, Holiday Granger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That She's the one. She... And Jack O'Connell, you know, have decent chemistry. Alicia Vikander and just like every single other actor that works with Dane DeHaan have absolutely no chemistry. <laughs> he's got to be like the worst fucking actor on the planet, Dane DeHaan. I, I don't believe him in anything I've ever seen him in outside of The Place Beyond the Pines.
1: Uh, yeah, he's he's pretty awful. I And is this a... um. A prequel to Thousand Valerian and a Thousand Planets. Why? Because Cara Delevingne's in it as well? Why is she in this movie? Like, she you got to remember, point this point? is 2014.
0: Point? She wasn't as big of a star as she is now. This is technically pre-Suicide Squad.
1: Is she a star? Would we consider her a star? Because I, I, I don't.
0: I, I think the entertainment world considers her a star for some reason. Yikes. But yeah, she's in this and she has like a very bit role where she does absolutely nothing. Judy Dench has a bit role in this where she does absolutely nothing. Zach Galifianakis makes a complete idiotic fool of himself with uh, terrible lines, dialogue, terrible accent, and this one really cliched scene where everything hinges upon him successfully uh, moving the tulip from one place to another so that everybody can get paid. And Dane DeHaan says to him, no drinking. And what does he do? He goes off and he drinks and he fucks everything up and it's just like... The screenplay is predictable, it's dull, it's boring, and worst of all, it does not give the relationships, like, any kind of context that makes them authentic. You know, it's like, Alicia Vikander and Dane DeHaan, the reason why they fall in love is because they're just simply sexually attracted to each other. There's no... Lines of dialogue between them before they both realize they love each other. It's like an infatuation
1: yeah, it's really it's really strange, and I was thrown off a little bit because in the beginning of the movie you're meant to really not like Christoph Waltz's character because he's kind of old and he's kind of creepy and he buys Alicia Vikander, which is always weird. And then you get a very rapey vibe from him with the whole, like, my little soldier is ready.
0: Yeah, he's trying to put a child in her because... The previous two children he was trying to have with his wife, uh, both of them did not make it. And then his wife also uh, died in childbirth uh, on the second child as well. So guys had
1: some bad luck. But by the end of the film, he's the only likable character. Which is unbelievable, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't believe that. I, I
0: actually have to give some credit to Christoph Waltz for playing the character the way that he did so that this way, when it came time... For that, uh, like twist, so to speak, in his character, it actually like I bought into it, and I was like, "Oh wow, I'm, I'm very surprised, but not in a good way. Surprised. I'm, I'm surprised because, I just wasn't expecting this." But at the same time, just this does not pull the movie out of the hole that it's dug for itself. If anything, it's made it even more confusing, because Alicia Vikander is the one whose point of view, other than uh, Holiday Granger, uh, they're, they're like the two points of view that we see throughout the film. And... I guess we're supposed to also like Holiday Granger and Jack O'Connell, I suppose, right?
1: They're fine. They're, you know, I mean, they're, they're just, they're fine.
0: But like Dane DeHaan and Alicia Vikander are Completely like unlikable. I- irredeemable by the end of this movie. They're just selfish. Oh, so selfish. The character assholes. decisions made in the third act are mind-bogglingly stupid. I could not believe she goes through this whole ordeal where she switched places with Holiday Granger, uh, who's actually pregnant with the child instead of Alicia Vikander because she's afraid she's going to get sold off again or divorced or I have no idea. She's going to lose her life of comfort, but she really loves Dane DeHaan. So she hatches this plan to pretend that she's the one that's pregnant, which would. Never work, by the way. This is, like, completely ridiculous. The film, like, becomes a comedy film halfway through the movie where they're trying to hide this (laughs) pregnancy and then also make it look like Alicia Vikander is pregnant. And then the baby is born. Christoph Waltz is dumb enough to buy into, like, all of, like, this whole ruse that they've pulled over him. And then they make it look like Alicia Vikander is dead. And she died in childbirth, and oh, no, 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 you can't touch her body, you know, because uh, the skin and, uh, like, bullshit. And they put her in a coffin, she gets transported, she gets out of the coffin. I know I'm spoiling the whole movie, but you guys are not going to fucking see it anyway. She gets to <laughs> this place, gets out of the coffin, and then decides,
1: you know what, Christoph Waltz wasn't such a bad guy. Can we can we talk about something for a second? She She's in the coffin for, like... Like, 20 hours or something. She's in the coffin for, like, it looks like days because, like, it seems like night has passed at this point. Oh, yeah. She's in the coffin for hours and hours and hours and, like, you see her inside the coffin getting, like, you know, lack of oxygen, getting sleepy and, like, not feeling well. Yeah, she's and distressed. And the coffin and she just, like, jumps out and she's like, hey, what up, guys? I'm fine. yeah
0: would never happen. There there must have been air holes on the side or something that we didn't see because –
1: That was not what they were implying. I expected them to open the coffin and find a dead body. And then when (sighs) she got up, I was like, wait, what?
0: (laughs) Well, just like how at the end of the film where it's made to look like she jumped into the water and killed herself. Oh, my god. They they should have just gone with that ending. Because here's my thing, Mike. I got to a point mentally where I thought this film was going to really go off the rails and do something totally jump the shark instead of just being dull, which is what it is. It's completely dull, and the character decisions make no sense. But you know how we're talking about how we thought Christoph Waltz was going to be like a very evil character and he turned out to be a great character? Yeah. I actually thought that when the baby was born and he was holding the baby, I thought he was going to throw the baby in the fire. I did,
1: too. <laughs> 100%. I'm like, oh, shit, here it Because he, he gets word
0: that it's a girl, and he wants a boy. Yep. And his wife is dead, so it's like, oh, what's the point of this? You know what I mean? Like, and, I thought you was going to throw it in. said,
1: kill the baby, save my wife.
0: Yeah. And then Holiday Granger would have had, like, some really intense drama because it's really her baby. You know? It's just like, would, it, would have turned into a, a, a real tragedy. Instead, we get this bow tie of an ending where... Dane DeHaan and Alicia Vikander don't end up with one another. Dane DeHaan ends up being, like, this really well-paid, commissioned artist for the church or something. Alicia Vikander ter- becomes a nun. I-, I have no idea why. Makes no sense. Reasons. And Jack O'Connell, Holiday Granger, you know, live happily ever after. And Christoph Waltz goes, you know, th- fucking just tra la la his way through India. What like what, what was this like? What what like I I don't understand. <sighs> I don't understand why we were supposed to care about these characters, um, you know. And by these characters, I mean Dane Teahan and Alicia Vikander. Only for them to end up in just very weird situations in their life. It's just like
1: this di- this didn't follow logical rules of storytelling for me. It, it doesn't follow any logical rules at all. It's <laughs> it basically is like. The Room, set in the 16th century. Oh, you thought it was that bad? It was, to me, it was that bad. Like, it was
0: painfully bad. Oh, I I didn't think it was that that bad. Jesus. (laughs) I mean, it's bad. Don't get me wrong, but The Room?
1: It's like The Room, if the director knew how to, like, actually direct a scene. Mm -hmm. There is technical skill involved in making this movie, I guess. But, like, the plot, to me, is very reminiscent of that. Yeah. It is so bad. Yeah,
0: And then, you know what also, too, is, like, there is there is an interesting concept where tulips have, I guess, a sense of currency. They have value. Uh, they're traded for high amounts of money. But outside of that, there's absolutely no impact that the tulip itself has
1: on the story. It, that's an interesting concept, and I think in a better handled movie, that could have been really interesting to learn about and like see the reasons why um, this started and you know the history of it, and no, like, but really I mean, learn like more about it.
0: They needed but to do something it, where it's um, handled so poorly here. Yeah, well, they do. They do this thing where it's like a like a, a, a it's a case of mistaken identity, where Jack O'Connell sees Sophia, uh you know, Alicia Vikander in Holiday Granger's um, uh, wardrobe, going through the streets, and he believes that you know she's having the affair with the with the uh, artist, but really it's Alicia, and he's all like oh my oh my love of my life oh my god poor me what was me oh and instead of this i wish they would have just done something like where maybe the one character gave the other character the tulip as a sign of, of affection or something because i just feel like outside of it's as acting as a form of money i don't feel like the tulips did anything for the plot of this movie
1: i thought the most interesting aspect of the tulips is because i mean let's face it right so you know eventually this is all going to fall apart this tulip commodity trading is not going to last forever yeah i thought it was interesting as like an allegory to the great depression with the stock market crash but we don't get any real ramifications we don't really get to see what happens like when their world does fall apart
0: yeah it just seems like everybody just goes home Everyone's like, well, that sucked,
1: that didn't work out, so what about the next thing?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, I can't believe not a single person died in this movie. (laughs) I can't believe nobody was strangled to death, shot, or anything. I I kept waiting for Christoph Waltz in the scene where uh, Jack O'Connell, Holiday Granger are reunited. They love each other. They're both holding the child. Christoph Waltz has, (laughs) you know just been duped by his uh, wife and he doesn't actually have a child. I I was expecting him to grab a pistol and just shoot Jack O'Connell for no reason other than to express his, you know, his rage and uh, um, depression, I guess, you know,
1: I expected him to go like go and kill Dane DeHaan and um, Alicia Vikander. I I was like very surprised that like he was just like, all right, well, I'm going to go to India. Bye, guys. See you later. Yeah. Stupid. And you know what was weird, too? (laughs) This what? is a costume drama, essentially, right? Yes. They all basically wore one costume each. Do you remember last year with Love and Friendship, all the different costumes Kate Beckinsale wore in that movie? Oh, yeah. And like how each outfit was like, you know, more crazy and majestic than the next? Yeah. None of that here. Yeah, this is
0: supposed to take place over the course of a series of days. And I, you know what? I I, I actually – I think I know what you're talking about. It does seem like – They all just wear the same clothes and, every and, day. You know what? We're, we're probably wrong. We're probably wrong. But it does seem like the characters are sticking to a certain style, or at least in terms of color. And, yeah, maybe the outfits changed a little bit.
1: But it seems like they're wearing the same outfit every scene. It does. And it's, I don't know, it's very strange. And it's hard to tell the progression of time in the movie. So you never really know exactly how many days have taken place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also just wanted to address, because you were talking before about that the cinematography is actually pretty good. Um, did you notice it was, like, shaky cam? A little bit here and there. There was some handheld. It looked like, I don't know, some scenes looked like it was, like, a found footage film. Wow. Yeah, no, I wouldn't go that far. It was, like, it, it pulled me out of it, because I'm like, why is this so, like, I don't know. It was weird. I was like, why is the screen shaking?
0: Yeah, you're at a loss. I get it. You need you need time to rest. You need to, com- you need to calm down, gather your thoughts. I get it. I get it. Yeah, this was a very, very uh, distraughtful... Uh, <laughs> near, you know, hour and, what, hour and 47 minutes? Yeah, why is this movie so long? What, you thought it should be like, what, 90 minutes? At, at most. You know, I, I, I thought that the film had very terrible pacing, but by the time it was over, I, actually, no, this is a lie. I was looking at my watch uh, during the last 20 minutes or so. You know, it's never a good sign when I'm sitting in the movie theater and I feel compelled to take my phone out and check my notifications. It's, it's not a good sign. You know, and that's, that happened to me, I think, 30 minutes into this movie. For you, maybe even less. I don't know.
1: I just, it was, I didn't, like, I went into it with an open mind, right? Because I kind of like this kind of stuff. I am a huge Downton Abbey fan. Um, so, like, this kind of is in my wheelhouse. Yeah, you like, you like period dramas. Y- yeah, I mean, some. Some more than others. I loved Love and Friendship last year. I thought that was fantastic. So, I went into this with an open mind. But, like, from the basically from the beginning, I'm like this. They can't be serious. Yeah, it's bad from like the opening. There's never a part where you're like, oh well, it's it's not that bad. Like about ten minutes in, when um, Christoph Waltz says, you know, my little soldier is ready, you're like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> but Alicia McCander is actually pretty good in it, and it, to her credit, if she could make this mess. And she could come out of it looking somewhat decent for having been in it. I can't wait to see what she does with Tomb Raider next year. Like, I am super stoked for that movie, because I think she's going to be really, really good in that.
0: I think Alicia Vikander is a daring actress. I think that she's obviously given better performances than this year. I think she's actually one of our uh, best new actresses currently. Uh, You know, everything I feel like I've seen her in, she's always a standout. You know, Ex Machina, the Danish girl, uh, she's She's truly phenomenal. Light between oceans. She's great in that. She's uh she outshines Fastbender in that movie. Yeah, she's awesome. Uh, it's this movie's. Just- so you're right. Tomb Raider is gonna be pretty exciting to watch, I think, with her at the helm. And, you know, as a little side note here, I don't want to get like, you know, too explicit or anything like that, but she is just absolutely beautiful. Oh my god, she is just just beautiful to look at. Unbelievably so
1: yeah yeah she is stunning Um, yeah so So she's
0: she's got a great movie star quality to her and she's definitely going to be around for a while she may already be an oscar winner but i very very fully expect one day she'll probably give a performance that'll you know really really knock our socks off i think yeah I, i have no doubt about it and also too and everything that really bothers me christoph waltz i get it he's got the accent he has it in every single movie um I never mind the accent unless if it's worked into the screenplay somewhat that, you know, he's from Austria or something. You know what I mean? Like Django? Yeah, but here it's just they don't bring it up and you're questioning why he's got this accent. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, he's just (laughs) – I actually thought in a weird way the accent added to the overall, like, old creepy man vibe.
0: Oh, really? Hmm.
1: So I, I didn't really mind it too much, and I just love Christoph Waltz. Like I think he's a great find and like just a fantastic actor. And again, he wound up being like my favorite character in the whole movie. Yeah. Okay. I mean, final thoughts, any? It just just nobody go go see this. And if you do, like watch it maybe like drunk or it's like a drinking game. That might make it better. Well, when should I take when should I take a drink? Take a drink every time you cringe from a bad line of dialogue in this movie. You'll be drunk like 20 minutes in.
0: I say drink every time tulips are mentioned.
1: Oh my god, that's that's dangerous.
0: <laughs> um I love that the director of the film, you know, kind of came out and he gave an interview and I mean this is what he said. He said I spoke to the audience before the film. I was honest and let them know about the history of the movie, but I asked them to have an open mind about it. Right after it finished, people were coming over to tell me how much they enjoyed the film. I know they meant it because believe me, I pressed them, but no, they were, they weren't telling me it's citizen Kane or Shakespeare in love, but they loved the performances, the cinematography, the costumes, the twists and the turns, and they enjoyed the film for what it was. I'm sure that critics will have their fun with it, but I am proud of this movie, as is the rest of the team behind it. So, you know, it's one of those cases, again, where it's like, ah, we didn't make this film for critics. We made it for people that are going to like it, but my question is, who's really going to like this? This film has absolutely no rewatchability. Who's going to ever want to go and
1: revisit this? Uh, no one. I mean, it's you'd be better off spending your time or rewatching Downton Abbey or North and South or Love and Friendship again, something like that. Um, but I do just want to say really quick shout out to Michael Schwartz because he um sent both of us a link actually with Harvey Weinstein talking about this film, The Deadline, and it was a fantastic article. And before I saw it, I was like, Man, Harvey Weinstein can sell me anything anytime, like, he's home. This whole article about this movie and the making of it and his thoughts on it. And I was like, damn, I actually am excited to see this now. Turned out it was terrible. But <laughs> a Harvey Weinstein would have sold a ticket regardless based on that article, because I think he is a he himself is a master storyteller.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And he he knows, you know he knows that this film is not the greatest and that's why he held on for its, uh, to it for so long before releasing it just Absolutely. looking for the right time to capitalize it uh, box office wise uh if he would have released it a week ago when i mean even this weekend this is there, there's practically nothing you know happening obviously he, at the he box office it this weekend
1: what was that he dumped it this weekend. He dumped it to die this weekend.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Which is fine. But, I mean, I wonder if he had released it last weekend, if he could have gotten more out of it, considering it comes out next weekend. He could have gotten two, two weekends of box office results out of it. You know what
1: I mean? I I put it this way, right? So, I go to the movies way more than your average moviegoer. And I see, you know, I'd say 85 90% of what comes out into the movies watch a ton of trailers for new movies that are coming out. I have not once seen a tu- trailer for Tulip Fever in the theater. So the marketing behind this was completely non existent. Nobody knows what this movie is, uh, when it came out, why it's in theaters, or-, or anything like that. Yeah, it was just dumped. You're right. For God's sakes, Marvel's The Inhumans got more of a marketing push than this got.
0: You know who, you know what, just for uh, finishing up the final thoughts here on this movie, you know who I quite enjoyed in this, because I kind of enjoy him and everything he's in? Tom Hollander. Yeah, he was not bad. He plays this eccentric, uh, I guess, doctor. Did they ever really establish what he was?
1: He was like the pharmacist, like the local pharmacist slash doctor of all trades. Right, because... You know, He got I, the only I, laughs for me in this whole movie. He's yeah, pretty funny.
0: He, he actually is really funny, and he does this thing, too, when every time he's walking or moving around from place to place, he's always humming a, a tune of something.
1: Yeah, he does. And he actually had pretty decent screen chemistry with uh, Alicia Vikander, I think more than pretty much anyone else in this movie.
0: Yeah, give give him the uh, lead romantic role, actually. Well,
1: you know, <laughs> I'd be okay
0: with that. I, I would have I liked to have seen the, the, the version where uh, this movie just – You know, goes into full blown comedy because that actually was when the film was somewhat enjoyable because you're right, it was getting some laughs out of me. So, just, just freaking, just go with it. I, I don't know. I, I, the tone of this movie is just all over the place, and it does, it just doesn't know what it wants to be, and what it ultimately decides on being is just so, so dull and so terrible. With that said. Great out of 10. Uh, I'm giving it a 2 out of 10.
1: I would give it a 1 out of 10. It is my least favorite movie that I have seen this year. Damn. Wow. And you've seen Book of Henry, right? I did not see Book of Henry, but I saw Pirates of the Caribbean, and that's a pretty close second. Mm. (laughs) I think I rated Pirates of the Caribbean the same as us, actually.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. All right. And, uh, yeah, no Oscar potential. (laughs) None. None whatsoever. This is not going to be a single Oscar nomination for this. this is not even going to be a campaign for this. This is ridiculous. Not even Harvey Weinstein can turn this
1: into an Oscar winner.
0: No, not even the Meshuggah Weinstein. He, he can't <laughs> make it happen. No, and he doesn't want to. No. All right, Mike, where can they find you on the
1: internet? You can find me on Twitter at VampDT89. You can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much for
0: listening to the Next Best Picture podcast as we just completely took down and burned to the ground uh, this movie known as Tulip Fever. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player FM, Castbox. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. We would really, really appreciate it. And we will see you all next time.